Hello, spooky friends, and welcome to another episode of the Scariest Podcast. Woo! We should think of new things to say when we start the episode. I think a nice, steady and- intro is always appreciated. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm Robin Grace. This is Adam Diaz. Hello. And today, we're here to talk to you guys about some cool stuff. Indeed. I'm like really usual. excited. <laughs> I don't know. I'm what really is ex- it not cool? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm really excited about mine. It went from, like, one small topic to, like... One large, and then one small, and then one super small topic. So it's it's really weird, but it wound up all kind of connecting in some really fun really? ways. Yeah, so I'm going to be really happy uh, to share all this stuff with you. Robin, what are you going to be covering this week? I am going to be covering the true story behind The Hills Have Eyes. Not really the true story, but like the inspiration behind The Hills Have Eyes. Right on. Uh, I'm going to be covering, and I'm not sure. I have This is one of the few times I haven't actually decided on the title I want for the episode. Because it changed a little bit. But I'm going to be covering the 1561 Star Wars incident. Which is just sort of the nickname I <laughs> okay. gave it. Although things did take a little bit of a turn as I dug into it a little bit more. So I might change the name of it between now and, I don't know, 4am when the episode goes live. So we'll see what it winds up being titled on the actual episode. So, fun times. We actually didn't talk about who's going to nope. go first. <laughs> so, uh... I don't know. May I, what, well, let me go first. I'll go first. Okay. Before um, we start, though, for those of you who don't know, we do story time episodes. Story time episodes are where we read homegrown horrors, which are the stories that you wonderful folks have sent in. Uh, Robin, what are the kinds of stories that we get sent into us by our listeners? So we get a lot of cool stories. They range from absolutely comedic, co- like coincidental things that have happened to you, all the way to really emotional um, spiritual things that have happened to you. Maybe you came across something super scary or true crime. We've gotten true crime stuff lately, which is super awesome. Uh, some were and scary, some were horrific, some yeah. of them are just like creepy and they stick with you for a while. So. Yeah, and it's just things that have happened to you, your friends, your family that you folks send in to us and we get to read to the rest of the spooky friends. So it's a good time. Indeed. So if you have a story like that, please email storytime at scarish.com or go to scarish.com and click on contact us. Fill out that form. It comes directly to us. Or you can hit us up on any of our social medias. I know we got one like right before we started on Facebook. Yeah. We got one emailed to us. So stuff has been coming in pretty steadily again. That's really nice to see. So thank you so much to our new listeners and our listeners that have decided to finally uh, send in their stories. We have a lot of folks that always say like, oh man, I have a story to send you and I'm just lazy and I haven't sent it in, which we totally understand. But yeah send them in so if you have them we love to hear them and we record those live so if you want to watch us record an episode live you can tuesdays 6 30 p.m pacific standard time at youtube.com slash scaryish or twitch.tv slash scaryish podcast either place you can uh, watch us live we interact and we have a lot more of those episodes than actually goes out on friday we just edit it down so that it's just the stories but it's a pretty fun time yeah, if you so. want to interact with us and and just kind of chit chat it's pretty fun Indeed. So I think we're going to go ahead and get into the stories, if I'm not mistaken. So tell us about the true inspiration behind The Hills Have Eyes. All right. So someone, I think, either today or yesterday posted an amazing post that I really enjoyed um, in the Spooky Friends Facebook group. And it was about movies and the, like, inspiration or true stories behind those movies. And so I chose one of those movies, The Hills Have Eyes, um, this is kind of a haunted Hollywood, but n- kind of not really. Not really, because it has nothing to do with... A haunted movie. Right. Got you. Um, 
if you haven't seen it, it's an absolutely terrifying slash horrifying movie. I've never seen that, it. That, wow. I've never seen The Hills Have Eyes. Really? I, I remember when it came out, I was supposed to go see it with some friends, and then we heard, like, it's really gross. Like, it's really it's, gory for yes. no reason. I'm like, it is like midnight I don't want to watch that. Kind of thing. Yeah, it, so I never went to see it. Yeah. Um, It is along the lines, I want to say, of kind of hostile, where it's just gory, gross, in-your-face murder porn. And it's definitely... A trip, not a fun trip, more like murderous, disgusting, morbid trip. Um, I've only seen the one from 2006, but the OG 1977 film, so it came out in 1977, um, The Hills Have Eyes, was written by Wes Craven, which wow. is also. I love Wes Craven. Yeah, he also wrote A Nightmare on Elm Street. Right. So he's huge horror writer type dude. He's been in the horror business, right? Um, I think. The Hills Have Eyes was one of his first ones that he wrote. It, it was like the second one or something. I was looking at his IMDb earlier, but uh, yeah. So if you guys freaking have seen A Nightmare on Elm Street, he wrote he wrote this too. It's kind of cool. Did not know that. Um, Good yeah. knowledge nugget, Robin. Thanks. So that first movie introduced Papa Jupiter's family, which is the main family in The Hills Have Eyes. Um, they're just a family of inbred mutants living in the mountains of the Nevada desert, mutated from having been exposed to radiation due to government testing. Okay. All this sounds um, plausible, if not not practical <laughs> or not probable. So that's what the movie's about. Um, the inspiration behind The Murderer's Family and The Hills Have Eyes is much less science fiction-y. Um, it all started with an Alexander, quote-unquote, Sawney, that's like his nickname, right? Bean. And they were said to be the head of a 45-member clan. Um, I didn't actually add all the math together, but I'll tell you guys how many people there were. You guys can do the math. Um, in Scotland in the 16th century, that murdered and cannibalized over a thousand people over 25 years. Oh, my God. Um, it is a legend, so any credence to it is... To be debated. I was going to say a thousand um, is a lot of people. Some people think that Sonny was a real person and some think that he was a mythical figure. And the concept of this cannibalistic family has been written in a number of different books and each book is different, but people think that because there are similarities, they have to come from somewhere, some type of inspiration. And it was so long ago. Um, it's just something that's hard to have evidence of, I guess. Regardless, the myth slash bit of local folklore has gained enough traction to have been published and considered by some historians to be factual. And the thought process is something along the lines of why would someone fictionalize something like this that's so awful and then push it off as true, you know, so it must be true. Um, it's just sort of a weird way to think about it. Yeah. Like, it's just so awful, it must be true. <laughs> it appeared in a crime catalog of Newgate Prison in London, um, which I thought was interesting. According to a tabloid publication called the Newgate Calendar from the 18th and 19th century, um, which I don't know why, but I equate to the National Enquirer. That's probably not true. But because this whole thing is so unrealistic to me... Um, it just seemed right to put it in that publication. Wow. <laughs> but, you know, that's just my um, assumptions of the whole thing. It could be real, you know, and we're just 
being ignorant to the fact that this happened. Some publications um, just sound like that. Like, I know there's some UK publications that I see articles from in the Spooky Friends group. Really? It happened today. I saw one that got, someone posted something that was like, this crazy thing has been confirmed by NASA, but it came from uh, tabloid. So I was like, oh, it sounds fake. Like, I should get my NASA news from NASA type of thing. Yeah. Um, so I was just like, oh, well, maybe that doesn't mean it's fake just because it's coming from a source that sounds fake. All right. So anyway, it was said that Alexander Bean was born in East Lothian, which is an area in Scotland um, during the 16th century. And he was born to a somewhat poor family of laborers. His dad was a ditch digger and a hedge trimmer. So he just did manual labor, you know. And while Bean tried to take up the family trade, he quickly realized that maybe working with dirt and hedges wasn't his thing. Um, His upbringing definitely wasn't the best, having been beaten by his father for just not being good enough, you know. So I feel like a lot of these traumatized people (laughs) end up doing bad things. Right. Trauma Um, winds up getting passed on to whoever in the future. and, and, And it's just... Not everybody, but a lot of, like, serial killers and things like that do have um, not the best upbringing. So, he met a woman named Black Agnes Douglas, and she was um, called, quote-unquote, Black Agnes, because I almost called her Angus, because, you know, Black Angus beef. Um, But Black Agnes, because she was supposedly a witch. So, she happened to share the same interests as he did. And when you find a woman who wants to eat people just like you do, you can't really help but run away with her, right? I mean, wow. come on. It's a good thing, too, because um, he would have probably had black Agnes burgers Oh, otherwise. God. <sighs> so <sighs> gross. Uh, because though this woman was accused of being a witch, he was all about it and left home with her. So this woman was accused of human sacrifice and conjuring demons. Um, that's what she was kind of she was accused of being like a black witch you know dark magic all that stuff doing bad things um but with everything those two ended up doing i think that's the least of their worries is that she's quote-unquote conjuring demons you know yeah i Um, I don't think people should be concerned the type of magic she's dabbling in (laughs) if she's just eating people right they traveled through southern scotland and robbed anyone that crossed them Uh, eventually they did cannibalize one of their victims and ended up in this cave in banan head between Gervon and Ballantrae, and I'm probably saying all those things wrong, but Godspeed to me. I don't know. Wow. Um, they couldn't take their loot and spend it in town, so cannibalism and isolation was kind of the way to go for them. They were like, this cave is where we're going to end up because it's um, safe, we can hide here, we'll just chill here and eat people. Uh <laughs> Agnes had already been practicing cannibalism long before she had met Bean. So it was just like introducing him to this thing, you know, let's eat people instead of doing other things that other people do. I don't know. It's just so messed up. I I imagine this is like a love story if you're telling it and they're trolls. You know what (laughs) I mean? It's like they found a cave instead of a bridge to live under. Oh, God. So this cave was 200 yards deep. Its entrance was blocked by water during high tide. And so it was a cave that kind of goes up um i guess at an incline so when the water rises it cuts off their entrance but you can't see the entrance of the cave and they can kind of hide up at the top there bat cave-esque yeah so because of this they were able to live undiscovered for so long they had eight sons six daughters 
18 grandsons. Oh, my God. And 14 granddaughters. And their grandchildren were results of incest between their children. Right. Uh, they pretty much created their own little army at the behest of Bean, like of Sonny, the main patriarch of the family, right? This is horrifying. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you got to see the hills have eyes. That's horrifying. I think I'm good. Um, <laughs> the family survived by being pretty ruthless. What they would do was lay out an ambush along a route that was bound to have traffic come through at night. They would rob and murder individuals or small groups, depending on whatever came through, right? They would take the bodies back to their cave, where they would then dismember and eat them. And any leftovers would then be pickled in barrels, which is kind of smart on their part, I mean. And also so, so very gross. It's gross, but um, it's like... When you go out into the woods and you're like, I gotta survive somehow, you know, it's pretty smart. Pickle stuff. (laughs) Pickle humans, yeah. Super smart. Um, (laughs) They have a huge family and they have to feed this huge family. You're empathizing with them a little bit too much for my liking (laughs) right now. I just mean, they were not stupid. I get it. They had a lot of mouths to feed and they survived for a very long time. Right. And they would get rid of any body parts, not very well sometimes, as they... The parts would start washing up on nearby beaches, and this did help them in their plan to get locals to believe that animals were attacking the travelers instead, Um, but it didn't always help or work because locals started noticing how many people were disappearing, and the beans stayed in their cave, kept to themselves, you know... They made an effort to avoid people by only attacking at night. And locals just had no clue that these people existed. The more people noticed these things, though, they started getting suspicious because everyone started going missing here and there. Well, okay, not everyone. People started going missing here and there. Tourists started coming in and never leaving, you know. It started getting really suspicious, so the locals began putting together a number of organized search parties uh, to try and figure out what or who it was that was doing this. And one of the searches did note that the cave existed, but they didn't think anything of it because they thought no human would ever live in it, which is crazy. Um, because like 20 humans were living in it at that time. Four, yeah, I'm sure there were like 40 humans living oh in it. Oh my god. Um... As with what usually happens with any type of witch hunt, the locals lynched a number of innocents trying to hunt down the actual culprit, which is so sad. Which is just another illustration Um, of the fact that people are dumb. (laughs) Many of these innocents were innkeepers, as they would always be the last people to see the missing people alive. So they thought they were having these people come in and then murdering them, you know, all that kind of logic sick logic who knows on one of these ambushes they came across a married couple and this married couple was coming back from a fair riding on horseback unfortunately for the beans the man was skilled in combat so the the husband was like a skilled fighter with a sword and held them off with sword and pistol i don't know i don't know if pistols existed back then but the internet says they did, so they, I, this when story this? does. Uh, 14th century, 15th century, 1400s? Um, yeah, I'm pretty Pistols sure. Pistols existed? Okay. Yeah. Um, 
obviously not the pistols I'm used to seeing in yeah, modern. Yeah, probably would have been like one shot, like you got to bite the bullet, um, like put it back in. You don't know what that means? No. It's like your bullet came in a wad. It was like there was a wad that had a bullet in it with gunpowder. And you would literally bite the bullet, rip it, pour the gunpowder in, like pack in your packing or whatever, and then put the bullet on top of it. That's where the phrase what? bite the bullet comes from. It's like Shut up! you have to do it. Like if you're going to do it, just fucking do it. Just bite the bullet and do it. And like bite the bullet literally meant like bite it, rip it off. And start like Shut packing up. your gun. Yeah, that's what you had to Knowledge do. Knowledge nuggets tonight. You're welcome. That's why old like um, pistols used to have those ramrods. That's where that comes from. Shut you would take the up. rod out of the fucking like barrel, which was underneath it, okay. put it on the, See, to the me, bullet and jam it. Ramrods just super troopers. <laughs> right. Team Ramrod. Okay. Um. Anyway, the wife was murdered. Didn't make it. Fell to the ground off the horse. They weren't able to take the husband, though, as a large group of other fairgoers arrived on the trail. And so the family scattered. Everyone scattered. The husband was taken to the local magistrate, which is like local law enforcement slash government, um, by the others that came across him on the trail. He regaled them with the story of his experience revealing the existence of the beans. And I just want to say that calling them the beans is probably one of the funniest things because... You're just picturing Mr. Bean. I mean, how can you take it seriously? They're called the beans. Okay. Anyway, it wasn't long before the king of the time heard about what was going on and all the horrible things that this family did. So the king led a search party consisting of 400 men and a few bloodhounds. And they soon found the cave thanks to some ever-talented bloodhounds, I think, Dogs are the coolest thing. I mean, how do you get these dogs to sniff out things? You know, like bomb sniffing dogs and drug sniffing dogs. Oh my gosh, they blow my mind. Because how people train them to sniff those things out is absolutely incredible to me. Um, When we went to Mexico, this dog sniffed out a banana in someone's suitcase. It was fucking crazy. Yeah, that was awesome. Oh my god. (laughs) I was just like, what? I was like, go banana. (laughs) Oh god. It was just so funny. Dogs are impressive. Anyway. When they entered the cave with the assistance of some torchlight, because caves are dark, right? And this thing's 200 feet deep. um, They found the Bean Clan surrounded by a menagerie of human remains, some of which were hanging from the walls. There were barrels filled with limbs and piles of stolen goods like jewelry because they couldn't take it into town and use it to buy stuff, right? So they just shoved it in the back of the cave where people wouldn't find it kind of thing. Um... Now, what happens next varies. So the common story that's told is that the beans were captured alive, giving up without a fight. They were taken in chains to the toll booth jail in Edinburgh. They were transferred somewhere else, and then they they were promptly executed without any trial. So what the logic was, was that these people lived subhuman lives and therefore died subhuman you know what i mean so they're they're just like fuck you you're dead um i mean it's crazy to not have a trial or whatever but they're pretty evil i I mean except for like the kids and the grandkids who didn't know any better that was just like life to them right that was the world it's just so weird to think about come across all that evidence though where they're literally eating people you know what are they gonna do we didn't eat them but you have all these body parts. But it's like even the kids and the grandkids probably had no idea like what laws were. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. It's just so weird to think about the concept of like your entire world was living in a cave, hunting other humans, and banging. It's so <laughs> <And> banging. gross. <laughs> okay, so what happened to them was the men had their genitals cut off and then thrown into fires. 
their hands and feet were severed, and they were bled to death. Um, Sawney's last dying words that he shouted out were, quote, it isn't over. It will never be over, end quote. Uh, I can't imagine yelling that as my last thing when I'm bleeding to death. he probably just had more clan up in those mountains. It's just... And he just knew there were other caves that were going to keep doing what he was doing. Who who knows? There's no um, legend after this that said people kept going, you know, but this guy be tripping on his now non-existent feet. So the women were then made to watch the men die. uh, And then they and all the children, yes, even the children, were tied to stakes and burned alive. Good God. Um, During the execution, it's said that not a single family member showed any fear or remorse for their actions or what was being done to them, which is so terrifying because that's how messed up these people were. You know what I mean? They just shouted profanities at their captives the entire time. Um, I just wonder if they had all these kids... How did they teach them, you know? Because they had to teach them language, and and it's just... I mean, just the same way that people normally teach their kids. They just taught them completely different things, you know? Apparently, these punishments were for... They could be compared to punishments that they used for the act of treason, where uh, hanging, drawing, and quartering were for men, and then women were burned alive kind of thing. Um, In the much less common story, the search party placed gunpowder at the entrance of the cave and then blew it up in essence suffocating the entire family inside um that i i like them getting brutally executed instead because they did horrible things um but that's just me that's my morbid sense of justice uh the town of gravan itself located near the scene of the crimes has a legend about the clan and there are claims that one of the daughters left the clan and settled there at some point and she planted a dual tree there and apparently this the dual tree is like a type of tree that people usually use for public hangings as makeshift gallows um the tree she planted became known as the hairy tree and after her family was captured she was exposed and angry locals had her hanged from that very tree. Wow, that's So that's crazy. a pretty messed up story, too. There are, though, no reports that add up to a thousand victims or missing persons in the region during the 15th century. So it's not written in stone or anywhere, really, because there's no reports. Get it? <laughs> it's not written in stone. Gotcha, Okay, yeah. I got it. <laughs> um, it's so funny because you're always so proud of your jokes. I'm like, yeah, that's a good joke. But I don't say it out loud. I just let you laugh at your own. There are also no records of a mass family getting executed either. So there's not really any um, written evidence of that. There are records, though, of periods of famine during that time where people did have to resort to cannibalism. And I'm really not surprised because there wasn't technology and stuff like we have now, you know. Um, They couldn't just go to the grocery store and be like, packet of beef, please. Thanks. Wow. Others seem to think that the crimes happened centuries earlier during Scotland's dark age and that these exploits were passed down through word of mouth for centuries until it was finally recorded. And that's why um, the records don't show anything like that, because it was just word of mouth, just passed down kind of thing. 
Several people that have visited the alleged cave at which they think the Beans Cave is, they believe that the victims of the family still haunt the surrounding area, which... I'd buy that. I would totally buy that if there were that many victims. And such a horrific way to die. Yeah. Oh my god. And, And I would hope that they killed the people before they ate them, but you never know. What if they roasted them alive, right? Um, With an apple in their mouth. But where would they get the apple? Oh, God. Just trying to make this at least look a little (laughs) funny in your mind's eye. Uh, Whether it's true or not, it's pretty darn interesting. A crazed family of over 40 on a murderous, like, cannibalistic spree. Those poor people that lived in the area had to deal with this happening to them for 25 years. That's absolutely insane. If it's true. Right. If it's true. Yeah, so uh, I thought you go, Wes Craven, for taking this as fucking inspiration for such a horrific movie, because this is horrific. When Wes Craven found out about these horrific stories at some point in his life, he's like, okay, I'm turning this into a movie, you know? Yeah. So it's not shocking that he would take something so horrific and make it into a, a movie like The Hills Have Eyes, which I have not seen either of. So, But now that I know that, maybe I'm more inclined to watch one. Maybe we'll do that for a Saturday streaming day or something like yeah. that. So we can all barf together. Ugh, that oh, sounds God. awful. So, right on. Good stuff. Thanks. So, before we get on to the next topic, I guess, I was going to say story because I'm so used to doing the home right. horror ones, right? Um, we're going to go into a quick commercial. Hopefully, it's super quick for you. And then you can get back to listening to our luscious voices. Wow. Beep, beep, boop, <laughs> bada. That, your sounds suck. Bada, bada, beep, bop, bop, bada, boop. Oh, that one's not bad. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. All right. So this week I knew I wanted to cover a like bizarre phenomenon from history. It had been in my brain for a little while now. Uh, I wanted to get like something that had happened that freaked everyone the hell out at the time, whether or not like we can be sure what it was. I just really wanted that story. Uh, And I found one that I really, really liked. Uh, but it was fairly short, so I thought I'd better pick a different one. Uh, so I did. And I figured since there's so much craziness in the world today, I may as well try and find a topic that isn't controversial or scary in any way. So we're going to talk about aliens. Uh, and without <laughs> further ado, I present to you the 1561 Star Wars Incident. Now, something I would like to point out first and foremost, this is not the official name of the event. There is no official name of the event. There are a lot of different names it goes by. Things like... The Celestial Phenomenon over Nuremberg or the UFO Battle of 1561 or the UFO Battle of Nuremberg. 
But let's get real. Once you hear what took place, the term Star Wars is going to sound very appropriate, not just to me, like very, very appropriate. Are there like blue and red lasers that shot across the sky? Just keep those. I mean, green was one of them, but yeah. Uh, just keep those colors in mind. So, takes place in 1561. Y'all remember 1561, right? Madrid was declared the capital of Spain by Philip II, who can forget. Uh, old St. Paul's Cathedral in London was struck by lightning and caught fire. They never replaced uh, the spot that got struck, which was like the tower or Whoa, something like that. that's cool. Sir Francis Bacon was born, the inventor of bacon. Shut the fuck up. I'm kidding. Just kidding. Oh He's God. the father of the scientific method, for those of you who did not know. He urged the importance of a skeptical approach and a method- method- methodology to science that leads skepticism, leads with skepticism do you remember so you can what test the, stuff. Do you remember what the scientific method was? I do, but it's like hypothesis, experiment, thesis, or something like that. Theory. Uh, I can't remember. You have to test a hypothesis over yeah, and over it's before like it becomes a theory. Hypothesis, theory, experiment. No, theory comes right? after the experiment. Because you have to perform it multiple times to perform to like get to your theory. Oh. Which claims like here's the results I that I got over and over and over. The, oh my gosh, you know the last time I did like an actual science experiment, probably I don't know, I was a child. When you asked me that question, I thought you knew the answer. So no. I'm glad to know that as I was answering, I could have just said, any, like, bubblegum, rocks, and you've been like, yep, that's it. <laughs> I don't remember it. So anyways, what else happened in 1561? Well, on the morning of April 14th, 1561, the residents of Nuremberg, Germany, had quite an interesting beginning to their day. It said that right around daybreak, so between 4 and 5 p.m., Folks, rich and poor, city dwellers and country bumpkins alike, looked to the sky and noticed something very strange. Did you say 4 and 5 p.m.? Between 4 and 5 a.m. I did say p.m., but it was a.m. I was I hoping was like, people would figure that out because I said daybreak and yeah, not I was so confused. the end of the day. I was like, 4 and 5? Is he making a joke right now? I'm going to keep going now. Thank you for pointing out my mistakes. Uh, on the face of the sun, in what appeared to be near the center... They were able to make out, quote, two blood-red semicircular arcs, just like the moon in its last quarter. So, like a crescent. Okay. There are two crescents in the middle of the sun that are blood-red. Now, at this point, you may be saying, quote, who are you quoting? Well, it was widely witnessed, and there was a newsletter that was released, basically a newspaper that recapped the events later in that April documenting what was seen. It is still kept. It's well-preserved. Really? It's this historical document. There are going to be pictures of it on our Instagram and our Facebook, because it was so bizarre. People are like, this is what fucking went down, and they sent them out to everywhere. So imagine waking up at this hour, or let's be real, for most of you spooky friends between 4 and 5 a.m., still being awake at this hour, whether it be from video games or binging a TV show or drinking copious amounts of alcohol, or if you're on your game, all three. I mean, I know what the spooky friends are capable of here, but... What the fuck? Imagine being awake between 4 and 5 a.m., looking up and seeing two blood-red arcs just sitting on the sun. You might think... Maybe an eclipse, something like that. And that's where my skeptical mind went to first. Uh, Hearing about this event, it must have been an eclipse. But it keeps going. And I would also like to point out, it wasn't an eclipse. I I checked the, like, intergalactic list (laughs) of eclipses, lunar and solar, and one did not happen during this time. So this is not all that they saw. So it keeps going. In addition to the arcs, there were rust-colored round circles or orbs on the north, south, east, and west sides of the sun. So there's a bunch of stuff on the face of the sun. And at this point, I'm thinking probably not just an eclipse. Because 
it's just so weird to have so many different shapes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And especially because that's not all there were. There were multiple other orbs all over the sun's face and in the sky in general. Some were red. Some were blue. So there's just orbs in the sky. There's random arcs. In addition to that, there's also some that are in like a cross formation where there's orbs like at all the points. Like mm-hmm. if you ever played jacks or seen what jacks yeah. are, yeah, yeah, imagine yeah. jacks except like massive in the sky and like pulsating. And they're connected by rods that run from one to the other. Like so jacks. Some of them are just like rods with two ends and some of them are like jacks. So they see these things all over the sky. And there's also long rods that are thin, that are much longer than these orbs, and they're also blue and red. They contain no circles. Some of them had some circles at the ends, but they're everywhere. So they look up and they see all these bizarre objects between 4 and 5 a.m. And it's only Nuremberg. Only Nuremberg sees this, but it's a large area. You know, it's a very large area. And people were freaked the fuck out. Like, they were like, Oi, what's all this then? Because that's how people in Germany talk. Oh, God, no. And suddenly, these objects started moving. And they weren't just moving. <laughs> so I, was just, I was just thinking some German out there is just like, Nine, nine, nine. nine. Yeah, I figured that too. <laughs> so these objects aren't just moving. The reports from the people on the countryside and the people in the city is that these objects started flying around the sky as if they were fighting. The arcs that were in the central part of the sun shot outwards and began to move aggressively towards some of the large and small rods that were seen in the sky, and a few of those which in turn started flying towards the sun in in an attempt to like get away from them, uh, at what seems like evasive maneuvers were being implemented. Uh, These rods and these globes were flying at each other as if they were battling, and all I can think when I read this is, this is probably not an eclipse. Now... People that have examined this event using the skeptical eye that we talked about earlier propose that it was actually something known as a sundog. Now, if you've never heard of a sundog, a sundog is basically a large halo in the sky caused by the sun's light hitting ice crystals that are high up in the atmosphere. So it's like, imagine if you have a magnifying glass and you, you know, move it back and forth and you can make a perfect circle from the sun's rays. Mm -hmm. It's like that, except it's happening because of natural effects up in the atmosphere and the sun's light. So even with that, you wind up getting arcs sometimes and sometimes orbs at different points, but it's typically centered around a perfect circle because it's a halo effect, you know? Yeah. And these things are moving all over the fucking sky and it's being witnessed by this entire town's population. So even though people say, yeah, it's probably a sundog, it's the 1500s, people were fucking idiots back then. (laughs) It's very, very dismissive. So, okay... Let's say maybe it's a sundog, but we don't quite know. It could explain some things like the colors that are being seen, the fact that it's a lot of orbs and arcs. Maybe it's multiple sundogs at once taking place in different spots, but it's just there's no way to tell but to go through the rest of the account because that's not the end of it. So obviously the movement that was described in the sky doesn't make any sense with something like a sundog. In addition to that, this quote-unquote battle that supposedly took place in the skies above Nuremberg lasted for over an hour. So it wasn't just like a blip in the sky or something that took place like really quickly. It took place for over 60 minutes, which is an extensive period of time. So at this point, I'm thinking maybe, just maybe, some like drastic weather event that was invisible to the human eye caused a bunch of refracting light and things were moving around in the sky and basically created an incredible light show that everyone witnessed. But it gets weirder, like much weirder. So as the battle was winding to an end, so to speak, the ships, or the orbs and the rods, began plummeting to Earth, some of which 
collided with the countryside, bursting into flames. Jesus. So instantly when you hear that, you're like, well, that's not a sun dog. You know, if that's part of the story and that's actually what happened, that's definitely not some sort of optical illusion. So if that happened, though, wouldn't there be physical evidence? Well, let me finish. Oh, God, okay. So according to the report from April of 1561, quote, they all, as said above, fell from the sun down upon the earth, quote, and it's like a quote within this, as if they all burned and they wasted away on the earth with immense smoke. So not only did they fall to earth, their crash sites had these massive plumes of smoke where they made impact. So the article that describes this battle has an image depicting it, and it shows plumes of smoke like coming up off of the landscape. So you may be thinking like, well, maybe it was this super intense once in a millennia sun dog that used reflecting like a magnifying glass maybe, and set like some foliage ablaze. If it was such bizarre things happening in the sky, maybe there was some like focal point that might've caused some dry crops. I'm just like spitballing what it could be here. And yeah, I could buy that. That's a maybe. Maybe this is some like weird confluence of events all happening at once that's just terrifying this large area of this town. But this last part is really what made it Star Wars for me. The article states this, quote, after all this, there was something like a black spear, very long and thick, sighted. That's what she said. I put pause for Robin to giggle in my script. <laughs> the shaft pointed to the east and the point pointed west. So the best way I can describe this, if you're not going to go to our Facebook or our Instagram to see this, because it also has this shape in the sky in this article, is that the image declares this shaft and it makes it very, very, very clear that this thing was much larger than every other object in the sky. It was enormous. Like these rods that they saw that were super long, it's at least twice its size. In some cases, three times the size of those rods. Okay. And it's also much thicker, which I know is like something hilarious that you love to hear me say. <laughs> so this black shape or craft that, appear, that appeared at the end of the battle was absolutely enormous. And okay. Just, I hate you so much. Just get past this. So what's funny about this is it, it looks like the tip of a spear. So the back of it is the widest part and it comes to a point, which is eerily <laughs> reminiscent of Imperial Star Destroyers from Star Wars. And this is an image that was drawn in April of 1561. Really? But I'm not talking about like the standard Star Destroyer. I'm talking about like the Executor, like Vader's flagship, which was technically a Star Dreadnought if you really think about okay. it. Because yeah, it's yeah. just fucking enormous. This thing just appeared in the sky at the end of the battle. And what's crazy and upsetting about this whole thing is that this article that describes the entire event doesn't say what the fuck happened to this giant dark object that appeared. It just states that it appeared at the end of the battle. And after that, the article shifts its rhetoric into something about how this is a sign from God and everyone needs to clean up their act super quickly or it's the end of the world. Like, everyone's going to die. This is clearly a sign that the end of the world is coming. Like, you need to start being a good person really quickly because this is God basically saying, like, figure your shit out. So, okay. all of the accounts that I can find on this event, nothing says what happened to the giant spear in the sky. Some articles state that it was one of the things that crashed into the landscape, but they're all quoting this original article for 1561, and I found the original translation, which it does not state it crashed in. It just says that it showed up. So, it's like this bizarre thing that happened almost 500 years ago. What if we are that ship what do you mean we are you're saying what? that this ship replaced the entire planet of people i don't know i'm just ma making up a joke it's like an episode of doctor who where they realize they're on the back of the whale you know the, okay the space whale okay. i'm just 
<laughs> this is all one big space whale, according to Robin. This it's is 2 a.m. Robin logic right now. <laughs> okay, go. Which you think is crazy, but there's a fucking skateboarder who just went by at 2 a.m. causing our dog to lose her mind. So it's like, it's a weird night. So hopefully you don't judge us. But I'm just saying, like, 500 years ago, something bizarre happened in the sky over Nuremberg, Germany. And, like, was it actually a conflict between unknown foes playing out with, like, Nuremberg having front row seats? Or was it just some bizarre phenomenon that's of a meteorological origin that we just can't identify, you know? Mm -hmm. That just hasn't happened again. And, like, it's really hard to understand because I can't help but wonder, have there been any sun dogs that are captured in recent times that sound like this or look like this? And the answer is not really. I've gone through so many different pictures of sun dogs or videos of them. And yes, there are orbs and there are arcs in certain places. They're barely ever in the middle of the sun. In fact, the sun just winds up looking more like a shaft. Cue Robin giggling again. <laughs> but there's nothing about them moving around or flying or rods or anything like that. And definitely not a Dreadnought-class Star Destroyer appearing in the sky at the end of everything. That part is the most bizarre. And when you're talking about all these things, if you're talking about it in the case of, is there a sun dog that looks like that? No. But if you're talking about it as, is there another unexplained bizarre event that had something similar happen? Well, then the answer is yes. So if you're wondering where, it's Basel, Switzerland. B-A-S-E-L, which I'm just going to say is Basel because it sounds like how British people pronounce Basel and it just sounds funny to me. So if you're wondering how far away that is from Nuremberg... It's a little under five hours if you drive. It's to the southwest. So it's kind of nearby. If you're wondering when it took place, it's 1566. Only five years later. So this series of events unfolds five years later, about 400 miles away. Okay? July 27th of 1566. It's the middle of summer. There are very long days. The sun is going down after a clear, bright, beautiful day. It's supposed to be around 9 p.m., and the sun is just finally like making its way down on the horizon when suddenly it loses its brightness. It loses its luster is how it's put in a bunch of different sites. Like some unseen force just took away the shine of the sun. It shrank in the sky and suddenly seemed to, quote, weep tears of blood. That's terrifying. The night lost all of its warmth and people fled inside because they were so scared the moon wound up coming out and was blood red all night. Now, if you're me, this sounds like a solar eclipse. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, obviously, it gets smaller. It has the red ring. It, it sounds like it's like, and it would hurt people's eyes, too. So people might freak out about that. But I checked. 1566, July 27th, 1566 is a very specific date because, again, they put out a fucking news article about the fact that this happened. And there were no solar or lunar eclipses anywhere near that. In fact, May 19th and October 13th are the closest dates. And I checked where those took place. And they were both in Antarctica. They were not in Eastern Europe. So that's really fucking weird. Nothing. Nothing to explain it. Unless it was some celestial object that just happened to settle in the perfect spot in the sky yeah so the best part is is that's not the last one there was another bizarre occurrence and this one took place the next day in basel switzerland the sun rose came back up and was still obscured weak and seemingly dripping blood in the sky do you think it's all one thing that's connected together those two days well those two days for sure but let me keep going so the article that I found describes these events in 1566 does not state whether or not it ended during that day, but at some point the sun returned to normal, okay? It sounds like for that entire day of July 28th, it looked really, really weird. 
So a little over a week goes by, and then at dawn on August 7th, 1566, 10 days later, the population of Basel, Switzerland, wakes up and sees large black spheres appearing in the sky, moving with great speed and producing audible sounds that made people think there was some sort of battle occurring in the sky. So with that, could it possibly be military at that point? 1566. Oh, okay. 1566. Flying black orbs all over the sky. All right. No, I got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so many of the crafts wound up turning fiery red during this quote unquote battle and their fire wound up going out in the sky like a meteor breaking up. Right. So it certainly sounds like these things are shooting each other out of the sky. It is again witnessed by a massive amount of people. It is again published in an article. This again will be on our Instagram slash Facebook and Skeptics, once again, attribute this to being some sort of undetermined meteorological phenomenon. They don't say that this one's a sun dog because they're like, it sounds more like an eclipse, but we know there's no eclipse at the time. And it basically just comes down to when you look back at it, it's 500 years ago. Those people were probably full of shit. And it's so bizarre to me when something like this happens on a massive scale. And they're like, well, yeah, everyone's probably in on it. Or everyone's probably lying or they saw something and they all just made up a bunch of details. It's like they published an article like the same month with all these details So it's not like it got told over and over and over again and a bunch of bullshit got added into it, you know? Yeah. So I don't know what happened here. I don't know if there was like an intergalactic war being waged in the sky or some bizarre sort of optical illusions. But like, if that's the case, what was up with like the sun 10 days before this second battle? You know what I mean? Like, it certainly sounds like something was obscuring the sun. And my my rational mind is tired, so here are my theories on what happened here. So the first battle in 1561 was a confrontation between two rival factions that resulted in our civilization witnessing extraterrestrial spacecraft on a massive scale. So that's 1561. The enormous black ship that showed up after the battle showed up to basically, what I like to say is, clean up the mess. Okay. Because some stuff had fallen to Earth and they're like, fuck, we can't leave anything behind. So it showed up to take care of that. Then five years later, whether it was another member of one of those factions that went to battle five years prior, or just some new entrant in the ring, something shows up at the end of July and obscures the sun, perhaps observing us, or perhaps like collecting some of the sun's rays for energy or something like that. Like it puts itself like directly in there, which is why it only obscures a small town, like one spot. Like if you were to put something over the planet between the planet and the sun, It would only cast a shadow on one spot, you know? Yeah. So this is my bullshit theory that just came to my my head. And I thought, well, that idea doesn't hold too much weight because if they had the ability to just collect energy from the sun, why not go to a different star? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think the answer is simple. They were in trouble and needed to stop at the nearest star. Like it's that whole saying, like any port in the storm, if you will. They recharged for a couple of days and then just hid, hoping to not be found. But unfortunately, 10 days later... Whatever they were running from showed up, seemingly along with their allies, and there was another big battle that occurred. But this That's time, cool. because the crafts burned up in the confines of space and no debris actually made its way to Earth, no cleanup crew arrived after the battle. Or it was refracted light bouncing off of ice crystals in the atmosphere, but it's definitely one of those two, without a doubt. So, before I end this topic, I actually want to let you all know what the short topic was that I found originally... Because I think it's like a really good parallel to the events that occurred here and how we think of things as they occur. Because there's these two articles that talk about like, you know, we saw some sort of... And back then it was like you saw something in the sky that was bizarre and unexplainable. It was God. You know, God sent us a message we can't decode it. And that's what those things are like. But I want to tell you a story that's more recent, but it also has a really good example of seeing bizarre things in the sky. 
and how we interpret things, and they're not exactly what we think they are. So, there once was a man named John Glenn. He was born in 1921, and in the 60s, he was an astronaut during the space race for the United States of America. All right. On February 20th, 1962, and a lot of people know who John Glenn is, John Glenn became the first American to orbit our planet. Now, the Russians had already done this, but he was the first American to do this. And it was a big deal. He was up there for five hours. He went around the world three times. So, whoa! if you really think about it, like, this is the 60s. This is 60 years ago, right? And we were just talking about stuff that happened 500 years ago. And that's still recent if you think about, like, the terms of human history. But up until 60 years ago, no human being had ever orbited the world, you know? It was an era where we were using science to push the boundaries of what so many people thought was possible. And while John Glenn was circling the world for the second time, something incredible happened. He just suddenly saw what appeared to be small, glowing lights surrounding his craft as he was passing in the vacuum of space. And he was fucking blown away. And mission control was too. This story is 100% true. They had no clue what was going on. John Glenn said that he was, quote, in a big mass of thousands of very small particles that are brilliantly lit up like they're luminescent. When he was asked what they looked like, he claimed they were, quote, yellowish green and appeared as if, quote, a firefly on a real dark night. Wow. And they were surrounding him. So people, when they heard about this, thought it must be aliens. Mission Control had no idea what the fuck was going on. John Glenn is quoted as saying that he thought it was a miracle. He thought it was a type of miracle that was happening around him because what? of, like, the amazing thing that was being performed at that time. And we now know what it was. Is it some recently declassified tiny microscopic space fly that's been dumped on us during the pandemic and no one noticed? No. Oh, my Lord. Okay. Is it some alien creature checking out the new craft from the planet? Well, no. Not in this case, at least. No, what John Glenn was seeing was much different than the miracle he took it as. What he was seeing was... His own pee. Shut the fuck up. No joke. The craft he was in, known as the Mercury spacecraft, had a vent for shooting the astronauts' liquid waste into space. And it freezes. And again, this is the first time we're orbiting the planet, so we're still, like, learning things about space, right? So when they vented the oh, liquid waste into space, <laughs> it instantly froze as if... And it's water crystals, pretty much. Just, I mean, imagine, pea like, crystals. you're making, you're making snow. snow, so... <laughs> It instantly freezes. It's traveling around the same speed as he is. Maybe going a little bit faster because it was projected. Yeah. You know? So now he's starting to pass through it. Oh, gross. It's, it's surrounding the spacecraft and these frozen crystals of liquid uh, get caught in the sunlight and they shine brilliantly. Oh, my fucking... Oh. And what was thought to be either aliens or a miracle was really just the first interstellar golden shower. That's fucking gross. So, but so funny. Who knows what was seen back in the 1560s? It could have been a sundog of epic proportions. Could have been a confluence of a bunch of different events. It could have been time travelers picking a random time to have a sky fight. And those are actually human beings, but they decide to jump back to the 1560s and have it out. It could have been some intergalactic space battle taking place over our skies. Who knows? I think the only thing we can say definitively about the 1560s and what was seen is that it was probably not John Glenn pissing all over himself accidentally. And that, my spooky friends, is the 1561 Star Wars incident. 
Thank you. That's funny. It's funny. It's fun. It's totally true. And it's a little bit gross. It's a nice pickup from my topic. Your topic was super down. So I was like, I don't know if I want to start out and then have you be like, okay, so let's talk about incest and cannibalism. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. This one only had John Glenn accidentally covering his own ship in his pee (laughs) and freaking out. How did they find out? But what's funny is because they just noticed it later. Oh, Like they just had another spacecraft going to space and be like, oh, we're, you know getting rid of the waste oh look at that like we figured it out you know oh gotcha gotcha so it's just uh one of those things where trial and error will let you know what's going on which is you know the scientific method that sir francis bacon was all about so i just think it's funny that every time someone sees something they can't explain that's just like blowing their mind it's it's always a sign from god or aliens you know and like the people that are seeing it most people interpret it as a sign from god and the people that hear about it it's like aliens and then to the other people it's like well, maybe not. Maybe this is what it actually is. But we're assholes for projecting our piss into space. It's just like you got to think about that's going to come down in the rain. No, it's not. That's not how <laughs> space works. It's just going to be circling for a long, oh, long that's time. So fucking funny. It's probably collided with so the, many oh satellites God. that are up there right now. They're probably covered in John Glenn's piss. The and aliens no out there are probably like, who the fuck pissed into space? I wouldn't be worried so much about the piss as much as I'd be worried about if I was flying through our galaxy and it's like, oh my God, I have shit on my windshield. <laughs> These humans are disgusting. <laughs> oh, so funny, funny. Okay. So, yeah, that is my topic. I hope you all enjoyed it. It wasn't as long as they normally are, but it was definitely amazing to read about. And I will post the pictures of both the articles that were written in the 1560s. And if you could read those languages, by all means, go for it. I found as many translations as possible and the most accurate ones that I could get a hold of before I started writing my script. So uh, I think it turned out okay, though. Yeah. So, right on. That's, uh, I think, just about everything that I have. So, again, if you folks want to watch this record Storytime Live, you can do so Tuesday, 6.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, youtube.com slash scarish, and twitch.tv slash podcast. And if you have a story you would like us to read, you can email storytimeatscarish.com or hit us up on any of our social media platforms or go to our website, scarish.com, and click on Contact Us, and we would be more than happy to read your story. Robin, for folks who would like to donate to us, how can they do so? If you folks would like to donate to us and help us keep this podcast going, you can go to patreon.com slash scarishpodcast, or uh, those are monthly donations, by the way. You can uh, check out all our tiers. Tiers start at a dollar. Right now, there is a discount code uh, on our Patreon for patrons only, for our Etsy shop. So you guys can get a little discount to the end of May uh, if you want to join up now. If you want to do one-time donations, you can go to coffeeko-fi.com slash scarishpodcast. And those are one-time donations. All donations go to helping us upgrade our studio setup and keep us making more content for you guys. So yeah. Indeed. It's been a fun episode. We hope you all enjoyed it. We hope to hear from you for story times or just see you there live. Uh, Either way, we appreciate everyone that supports us. Thank you one more time, and I think that's just about everything we got. So, Robin, go ahead and sign us out. Keep on creeping on, and we'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.